if they when they do finish this World Series and raise that trophy, we're going to sit back, have a glass of whatever your favorite beverage is, watch these guys celebrate, and maybe be cruising through downtown going, this is the greatest baseball team we have ever seen in What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the World Series edition of Beyond the Diamond Podcast here on the Apollo Podcast Network. Brian Lalima, Apollo Dez here with you. We got special guest Jeff Blum with us on this episode. Astros broadcaster, former big leaguer, 14 years in the big league with a stop here in Houston. Jeff Blum, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, how's it going, man? What, what, what do we got on the docket today? You play a little golf, get a little workout in, have any media hits? What do we got? I, I it's good to be on with you guys first of all I know that we've been trying to work this out so I appreciate the accommodations to to allow this to happen but the craziest thing is for 162 games I've got a great routine and then the postseason starts again for the Astros oh you know gee golly gosh darn us you know we have to do the postseason again but uh what happens is I turn into basically a freelance reporter so I've, I'm doing 10 15 minute hits all day long until the game starts and then I get to be a fan. But, you know, I wish I had played golf. I know that was the idea today, but I had two podcasts. I had an appearance, fortunately, at St. Arnold, which worked out really well. And then uh, it came back here to my house, did a, did a radio hit, and now I'm on with you guys. So, yeah, it's kind of – it's disjointed, it's chaotic, but it's all in good fun because the Astros, uh, again, four out of the last six years have been in the World Series, and here we are. There's a there's a constant theme and and I don't know if you've been preparing. I know you have a, a routine, but the camera finds you in the World Series and, and it's turned <laughs> to be a, a a little little liquid chug. Uh, have mm-hmm. we been working on our times? Are we gonna are we gonna see a world record this uh, potentially Friday or Saturday? I don't know. Slamming those big boys is painful, man. You know, I, you know, I did it once. The one time I did it and kind of that was the impromptu one was the Crawford Bach. I was okay with that. It's it's a nice lager. It goes down smooth. And then I made the mistake, not 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 drinking St. Arnold, but I'd made the mistake of getting caught on camera with a art car IPA. Oh, oh no. Oh, no. Yeah. Did you do so it? You did you, it, right? Y'all did it. And I think I, I think I spit a little bit of it out but my eyes were watering so bad yeah. by the end of it i couldn't even see el grande up there i was like yeah what an idiot. <laughs> you know Absolutely. but i've kind of yeah i've turned into the chugging mascot for the world series but there's a good chance it could happen again you never know yeah so yeah. with with you know with you covering the team obviously on at&t sportsnet for for the entire season working with tk and julia and then you come into the playoffs and the local guys don't get to don't get to cover the team on obviously it goes to like TBS and, and FS1 and the things like that. You get to spend a little more time with the family. You, I've seen you at the games with uh, with your wife and your daughters. Um, if you had it your way, would you rather be a fan for the playoffs or would you a- actually rather work and cover the playoffs? And this is where I've got to be diplomatic and kind of pace myself in answering this because if my family does listen to this, I've got to be <laughs> a little you know sensitive. Hell yeah, I want to call these games. Are you yeah. kidding me? You know, that's part of the fun and, you know, something I didn't realize in in getting the job for the Astros, you know, initially I was just like, I get to be the color commentator and kind of bring bring the game to the fans at home. But now going through this stretch that we're on with all of these playoff runs and clinching moments that we've had throughout the course of the season and all these historic moments from hitters and pitchers you know, you start to realize your voice is on this soundtrack of the Houston Astros during this golden era. So the fact that you get that during the regular season is awesome. 
But the fact that you get completely shut out at, in the postseason when some of the greatest moments and some of the most dramatic situations are there and some of the most uh, enjoyable and, 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 you know, clinching and all these moments that we're missing out on. Granted, I get to be a part of it as a fan and share it with my family, but ultimately my Astro family is the family I don't get to share it with on air. And that's where we get frustrated. Yeah. All three of us, we have a, we have a group text that goes throughout the course of the season and really into the postseason where we're just bitching and moaning about not being able to be on the call yeah. and correcting everything that they do say on air. Yeah. yeah. That, so that leads me like, like a moment, like Jordan's walk-off home run, obviously this postseason, that's been huge. Uh, Jeremy Pena is in Yankee stadium, you know, like little moments like David Hensley's walk that he comes off the bench as a rookie. Um, you had Trey Mancini with a sack fly and Des and I, we can go on and on about these moments, but then you got guys like guys like Bob Costas that, that are, that are calling the games and then you got him doing a pregame and a postgame show. And again, let me preface this by saying Bob Costas is, is an icon in broadcasting. There's no Legend. question about it. But, bro, the game has passed him up so much. It's time for Bob Costas to retire. And again, it, it, it'll be – it could be 2030, the year 2035, and he will still be broadcasting and he will still be referencing trash can banging in some form or fashion. Have you seen the memes, the, the Twitter memes? <laughs> No, that, that would cost us. It was like he's like it was like this made up like, you know, he's reciting oh, World War One, World War Two. And then <laughs> it's John Darling like and it's a ball on the outside corner. <laughs> it's yeah. like the funniest meme template. And I'm just like, what are we doing here? Like, I just want to I just want to watch the game. What did you yeah, think yeah. of uh, Bob Costas in those comments? I know I know you had to hear him and see him. Yeah. No, first of all, let's go back to anybody, you know. Anybody that keeps referencing 2017 has lost the argument already because that's your only bullet. And if that's the bullet you're going to use, I'm done with the conversation because you're not going to be able to adapt to the last six years, five years since then, where the Astros have gone out there and done exponential things beyond what they did in 2017. And if they win this World Series in 2022, they're going to be considered the best team in Astros franchise history, both regular season and postseason. So get off the trash can talk. That's, you know, that's such a limited talking point and limited perspective that I can't get around it. I don't want to have, I don't want to continue the conversation. I get it happened. Yes, whatever it was, but moving on since then, the Astros have continued to explain their dominance in playing the game. So that's where I'm done with it. Uh, the Dodgers, you could argue, say, hmm, since the Astros got busted, what have they done? What have yeah. some, of, some of their players? They have an MVP that can't hit 200 now. So, yeah, you know, the argument is the Astros are just as good, if not better, continually, despite you bringing out 2017. That being said, I'm with you. Bob Costas, legend. I remember listening to him as a kid. Granted, that was like 35 years ago. Now we're in a new era, a new genre of baseball. And I'm with you, Ron, the Ron Darlings, the Jeff Francoeurs, uh, John Smoltz. I give these guys a lot of credit because it's not easy to sit in that seat where they're sitting, listen to that, and try and explain the modern game to a guy who can't get out of 2017. You know, it, it, it's really hard. He's a great narrator. Go out there, call the Olympics, give me some montages with his voice yeah. over it, and let that be it. We can respect that. But the more he goes on, it, the more it tarnishes what he established. I, I think one thing I want to touch on, and, and it just speaks volumes on this team. And one, obviously, you're in rare fried air being a big leaguer. Like, that's that's crazy that you're the top 1% to ever walk on the planet to do that. But also, your 05 team did something that was insane. 11-1, and 
right? I mean, perfection was almost there. talk about it, yeah. And, and this Astro team, you, we can have the conversation. They're 7-0. It's, yeah. it's right there for the tank. It's all laid out in front of them. Did you guys see that elephant in the room when you guys were, were making that run? I mean, obviously 11-1 in a World Series title is, is huge, but did you guys kind of know that was going on? No, to be honest, I, you really didn't know until we got the rings because they put the the postseason record on the ring. And, you know, as you're going through it, you're, the whole focus is just win. If we don't win today, win tomorrow. So you, your focus is so narrowed and so acute that you have a hard time, you know, you know, getting what do they call it, the 50,000 foot view of, of what's going on. So you have a hard time of kind of removing yourself and looking at the bigger picture. So you're so narrowly focused on going out there and winning a game. And when you get into the postseason, you're just trying to win innings. And you figure if you win the most innings, you're going to end up winning the game. And we got through the Boston Red Sox in pretty dramatic fashion, you know, with a sweep of the, the at the time, they were the reigning World Series champions. So we were feeling pretty good about ourselves. And then we ran into uh, an L.A. Angel, Angel, California Angel, whatever the hell they were called at the time. And they beat us in game one. And it really kind of pissed us off we were like what the hell is going on these guys three, suck three to two one run loss yeah and it was crazy because they had crazy travel going coast to coast they had weather issues and all that kind of stuff and they came in and stepped on us and we were like well shoot the, you know we kind of took us back a little bit and we proceeded to go out and throw four complete games in a row to win the american league championship series and then we get to the world series sweep the world series which it's a shame it sounds weird but it's a shame we swept that world series because it was such a well-played World Series that it's not going to get talked about because everybody goes, oh, they swept. But it was a really well-played World Series. But by the end of it, when you got the ring and you sat there and you went, dude, we just won- we went 11-1 and against some of the best competition in all of baseball. And that's when you sat back and you go, okay, we did something rather historic and really good to be able to run through uh, and get 11 wins and 12 tries. Yeah, when you talk about that 2005 World Series, Brad Lidge got two losses in that series against you guys. That just yeah, showed late. how late, late, how late those games went to get yeah. the win. When the closer for the Astros is getting losses, obviously those are ninth inning wins. And then there was a there was a 14 inning game if I remember if I remember correctly. I don't know, Josh, can you check that for me? I think there was a 14 yeah, inning game, uh, game three. Yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah game 14 inning game three. Yeah, game three, every so. every loss was every game was between one and two runs. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it was one or two runs. Brad Lidge got two of those losses. Like that's how close that World Series. Yeah, that doesn't was. get talked about enough for me. Yeah, yeah. There, there's, there's something about this team, and we we've, we've talked about it all year. And obviously, you're you're around the guys. We've been fortunate to be around the guys. There's this quiet confidence, and you can't really describe it to anyone on the outside unless you're around the guys. But yeah. it, it's different, and. and in 19 and even 18 and 20, like sometimes when we got down a run, it felt like, oh shit, maybe just chalk this one up. But with this team, it's like, oh, okay, let's go. Like it almost, it, it, it flips another switch for them because we saw it against the, the Mariners. We saw it against the Yankees where in years past, I was like, well, this, this game's chalked. It's three, nothing already. So, and I, I just think it goes back to this quiet confidence these guys have. And it, it's, it's special. It, it really is. No, these guys are freaks. They are special. And you talked about that switch. theres I don't think there's too many teams out there, even in the history of any of the sports, that actually had that switch that you could flip. 
I've never seen a team, you know, turn the page so quickly, th even throughout the course of the regular season. And I know that going inning by inning in the postseason, the fact that they were down early in that first game and came back and beat the Mariners, that's even something we didn't see during the regular season. These guys have an ability to be resilient, to have short-term memories, and also adjust. I've never seen a team adjust so quickly and as a matter of factly that they'll go out there, okay, we'll bring our bullpen in, we'll, pr we'll protect JV, uh, we'll keep the game where it's at. We'll get a big home run from Alex, and then all of a sudden we're going to leave it up to Jordan. I mean, it's unbelievable type stuff. But to your point about a quiet, quiet confidence, it's almost a sinister arrogance that they have mm. because look at the teams they've played. There is a little history between the Seattle Mariners and the Astros, and they want to they want to continue their dominance in the West. So there was that little you know that little sinister step when they took the field against the Mariners, and then of course it's easy to make up you know that idea of of going out and beating the Yankees the way they did, I, you know, what are they going to figure out or how are they going to figure out to how, how to have that same kind of step when they go out there and play the Phillies? It's going to be a tough matchup. Yeah. I, th I think with the, uh, the quiet confidence is like, it's like, it's a business trip. You know, there's that cliche, cliche oh, man, saying yeah. it's all business, but it's even in their on the field celebrations this postseason, it's business-like <laughs> obviously they party their ass off, which, you know, I would be doing the same damn thing. You get in that locker room and like Dusty That's Baker said, you appreciate you about them, right? Right, they get right, the job right. done, and then they party like crazy. Right, and Dusty Baker said it himself. When you get a chance to party, you party. Um, and, and talking about the Mariners, like in that game, Dusty Baker said he thought the whole time, just give us a chance. Just keep it close. Give us a chance. They were down four runs at one point. And, and, you, and Des, Des and I have talked about this before. Four runs to this Astros team, in our opinion, isn't shit. Just like we saw in, in Yankee Stadium. Three runs, that's not shit. Get a couple guys on, and then these bats do what they do, timely hitting. Next thing you know, they're back in the ballgame. I don't think I've seen a more complete team here in Houston than what we're seeing this season. Dude, and that's the second question I get a lot is, how do you compare this team to a past Astro teams? And when we broke camp, I would, I would have said, hands down, and I've said it for a while, 2019 is one of the greatest teams I've ever seen play in my life. They had a great combination, combination of pitching, and good defense and explosive offensively. But this season's team, their pitching is better, which is remarkable to think about when you consider who was on that roster as far as a pitching uh, staff. And their bullpen is exponentially better. And like you said, their offense is great and they get timely hits. So if they, when they do finish this World Series and raise that trophy, we're going to sit back have a glass of whatever your favorite beverage is, watch these guys celebrate and maybe be cruising through downtown going, this is the greatest baseball team that we have ever seen in Astros history. I think a, a big thing is the, this is like almost a perfect storm where you have your war horses coming back with Lance and JV who missed kind of missed these, those years in the stretches. You had the young guys, the, the Garcia's, the Arquides, the, the Frambers, the Javier's had to step up. Maybe when they, weren't ready quite yet and, and they stepped up and exceeded and, and they got trial by fire in October and now you just have this perfect storm and the names offensively on the on the roster may not be sexy but they produce men lie women lie numbers don't Th those numbers don't lie and so you have you have this 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 perfect storm and it just all comes to it where we should be picking confetti out of our hairs and not uh it's not a buzzard john boy it's, it's confetti yeah uh but it's this opportunity where you can send a message to the league to be like hey we're one of the greatest to ever do it 
Yeah, it would be a special moment. I, I love the fact that you do have the veteran leadership and that they've been winning long enough to allow a guy like JV to come back, recover, sign again, and maximize his use, and then have Lance McCullers Jr. coming back, battling back, and having him in that rotation. It's amazing that you can have a team go to the World Series this many times and have them be better than last year's World Series competing team and have them be in the position they're in. They're, they're set up to do remarkable things. They've executed it through the championship series. Now it's just a matter of finishing it off. Yeah. One thing I want to ask you about that 2019 team compared to this season. Um, this year just feels different. And in baseball, mm -hmm. you you have to be a guy and a player, coach, manager, whatever it is. You have to go off of feel. Like, yeah, you can you can have you can base stuff off of analytics, you can study film and so forth and so on. But at the end of the day, you still have to feel moments, you have to feel momentum and 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 have it shift and big at-bats, big strikeouts, so forth and so on. This year just feels different. I was lucky enough to cover the team in 2019, and I was in the Minute Maid Park to do everything with the media and all that stuff. Um, even back then, I remember I didn't feel like I do now with this team. And I don't know if it's because there's so much October experience there. The, the core group is still here. Um, you've got Jeremy Pena. You would have never thought that he is playing like – you would never think he's a rookie. And what he's done to step up, Jordan has been there. Al, uh, Jose Altuve hasn't done much, right? So I, I don't know what it is. I, and that's why I'm kind of asking you. You've, you were a big leader for 14 years. You've covered this team for so long. Does this year just feel different to you? Does, it, it, does that make sense when I say it just kind of feels different yeah. compared to like a team like in 2019? No, you, no, you guys kind of hit on it. It's, it's a little more businesslike. It's just a, it's a march, and they're just they're they're on their own path, creating it and moving forward. No matter who's in front of them, they've seen adversity on the road. Granted, they're going to a stadium they haven't been in in a while. I don't think that's going to feed into it. I think that's only going to feed the fire that these guys have. But uh, you know, I think it's a recognition, and it, you know, it's very rare that you have the opportunity to be in a clubhouse that is good that is great that you can look to your left you can look to your right and say okay these boys that guy's really good that guy's going to play a role but then have everybody on the same belief system and really believing each other and this is probably one thing that i've said most in a lot of interviews that i talk about and everybody's you know trying to poke holes in the astros the fact that you can't penetrate these guys mentally is what makes them tough and when you dig into the box if you know, Des or, you know, Lima, if you did, when you dig in and you know that there's 25 other dudes that got your back, or if you step into a dark alley, there's 25 other dudes right behind me. And if I swing and miss on the first punch, guess who's going to get the 25 other punches behind me? Yeah. Those guys. That's what's different about this team. They have all, you know, I heard a quote. I can't, I can't remember if it was Tucker or Chaz McCormick, but somebody asked them, you know, what's it like being a rookie or being young on this team, knowing you had nothing to do with 2017, yet you get incessantly booed. And they said, we do it for the name on the front of our team, on the front of our jersey, because it doesn't represent 2017. It represents us. And that's the difference in these guys. And that's why they go out there and have each other's backs. And that's what makes them different and makes this seem like a different year because every one of those guys believes the same thing and want the same thing. When did you, when did you see the culture start to shift in Houston? 2015? Well, I saw the hope in 2015. I actually feel like in 2016, when they didn't make it to the playoffs, there was that certain, you get to the point where you're like, wow, we surprised everybody in 15. We all, oh, you know, we were a couple outs from going to, you know, the championship series or whatever it was. And then you're like, man, that was awesome. Let's do it again next year. And they didn't do it. 
it's it's that it's that fact that they hate losing more than they enjoy winning and i think that's where in 2016 they were like son of a bitch we didn't how are we not in the playoffs and you watch those teams move on and that kind of churns that anger and you start to redirect that and you get a franchise like you've got now Mm. I have a, I do a little segue question. Who do we have to uh, fight at Baseball Reference to get you that extra home run, that career home um, run to 100? Can we round that well, number up? I'm not a big wait, math guy. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> there's only there, – man, I can't remember uh, who it was. There's one other guy that, that did it, uh, made it to a World Series and had 99 career home runs and hit one in the World Series. But whenever I get this, this, this uh, scenario, I wish – you know, the wind was blowing out in Wrigley one day that one of my fly balls could have gotten out or, you know, maybe somebody didn't jump and grab it. Or maybe during that era, I, you know, I did an extra cycle or something. <laughs> I don't know. But, uh, you know, the <laughs> fact is that uh, I have 99 regular season home runs, but my 100th home run in a big league uniform, they built a statue for it. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that's I mean, all I've got going for me. Who's yeah. a who's a guy? I've always wanted to ask you this. Who's a guy that I mean, obviously you played you know, against some of the best to ever do it. But who's a guy that's not a sexy name that was just had some filthy stuff that you were like, I, I don't, I don't want to, I don't really want to dig into uh, this man, guy today. Uh, John Lieber wore me out. He would throw, he would throw two seam sinkers. I'd roll it over to second base every damn time. I couldn't figure that. I almost said really something really bad, but I couldn't figure that guy you want out. To stay for uh, you. You want to say yeah. that motherfucker? Yeah. Was yeah. That, that motherfucker? guy. That okay. MF-er. Yeah. yeah. And I'd be yeah. in the lineup and it was, it was a comfortable 0 for 4 every single day. And I could not figure that dude out. Um, you know, the sexier name was Kevin Brown. I could not, that dude wore me dude out. Filthy man. Um, he was, he was jacked up. He was wearing a Schmedium Jersey sweating, at, you know, 30 degree weather and just throwing turbo split fingers at me. Um, but the, you know, there's not too many, that's usually with, you know, some of those other guys that weren't sexy names are the guys I feasted on and were able to stay in the big leagues against. <laughs> we, I gotta, uh, we're doing, we're doing a little side stream right now. We actually got MVP 2005, one of the best baseball games ever. Ever. And we, we trade, sorry, you, you, you're not in this scenario. You're not getting your world series ring quite yet. Cause <laughs> we traded for you and now you're on the Astros 05 team. And so we're, we're grinding that out. So we're, we're, you're, you're starting everyday third baseman for the 05 Astros right now, currently. Oh man. I appreciate that. If we could only go back. Did, uh, (laughs) how many years did you play with AJ Pierzynski? One. And that was plenty. Okay. So that's okay. I'm still friends to him this day, to this day. And when he does uh, Fox broadcasts of Astros games, there's a healthy conversation before those games. I'm trying to give him as much knowledge as I can. Okay. So Uh, there was that one season back then where he was voted most hated guy in Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people don't like when he's on broadcast. They they don't like what he has to say. I'm indifferent. I, I appreciate. I know how hard that job is. Um, how was he as a teammate? <laughs> we had so I got traded over there, and obviously he has a reputation that precedes him. Uh, there was a there was a clubhouse altercation that was broken up between him and another player that I'll, I'll just kind of keep at that, but that shouldn't surprise anybody. But there were there was an opportunity when we when I first showed up on the scene in Chicago, I can't remember who we were facing, but he threw him he got thrown three straight changeups and he swung and missed at all of them. Slams his bat, comes back into the dugout, slams his bat, slams his helmet, puts his gear on, stands next to me, and proceeds to yell at the pitcher. You know, uh, come after me, you MF and, P, you know, P word and all this stuff. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, I go, what? I go, what'd you see up there? He goes, 
that 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 guy threw me three straight changeups. And I go, did you hit one? He goes, no. And I go, why are you yelling at him? And he kind of <laughs> looked at me like, man, you're not supposed to call me out on that, you know? And, we, and all of a sudden, we just kind of created this relationship. And I don't know if it was a mutual respect instantly, but, you know, I've, I've been friends with him ever since. And a lot of what he did on the field was an act. But uh, I can totally see, having been both on his side and against him, the, the skit was thoroughly annoying. Oh, so it was a skit. Oh, so, yeah. So, like, what about, like, moments, like, one of the moments that I think about uh, is when Jonathan Papelbon had Bryce Harper in the dugout up against, I mean, they were going at it because Harper didn't run it out. Do you think, and I don't know if you know Papelbon very much, um, do you think he was a guy that had a skit, too, or do you think he was just that fiery? I think he created a skit and, and found himself in a position where he had to kind of live up to it. And, and found mm-hmm. himself in the face of Bryce Harper, which might have been a little bit frightening. I don't know if I'd do that on the public stage, but if uh, you get the opportunity underneath in some uh, n- non-camera situations, maybe you take advantage of it. But wow. Yeah, that, that was a bold move. What about uh, what about last, last one, Des, and I'll get it back to you. Sorry. What about Ken Giles? <laughs> oh, damn. Yeah. You get that KO, that KO punch. Yeah. I, I mean, they're, they're, wow, what do we have? Uh, <laughs> there's an a there's an a EA employee assistant EAP I think is the employee assistance program I think they had back back when I first started playing baseball and it was like this random quote unquote psychologist that would be available for anybody in the organization and that might have been an opportunity for uh, employee assistance program with the Ken Giles situation because that was when you're when you're on the call for something like that you have no idea how uncomfortable things get real quick. What I is, can't explain uh, that. Real, yeah, real I quick, can't explain uh, that. that name you were looking for earlier, uh, Garrett Atkins, 99 yeah. career home runs, and he hit uh, game four home run. Yep. Series. Yeah, 2007. Was he right? I, yeah. Was he the Angels? Yeah. yeah, 2007. He was with the Rockies in seven. With the right? Rockies. Yeah. Uh, Gosh, I love you... having research guys behind the scenes. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, we got, we got the guys. My boy, Josh, uh, producer Josh in the mix. He's on it. I have, a, I, have, I have two questions. The one I want to lead off with is the day and age of social media with the, with the athletes. Would you, if you were now fast forward in, in this era, would you be on social or are you just off, off the grid? Uh, the, the problem would probably have been I'd be on social, but not by my choice. Mm. Yeah. I'm grateful to play, to have played in an era sans camera phone, <laughs> to yeah. say the it, least. Yeah. Yeah. Would you have been on it to help build your brand? I'm not too sure, to, to be honest with you. I mean, it's. I mean, I appreciate the guys that are able to go on there and build brands and do that kind of stuff. But at the same time, uh, you know, I've had to develop thick skin. You know, being on this side and getting everything that I do get from fans. But uh, as a player, I'm not sure my my skin would be thick enough to be able to go out there and do that. To be brutally honest with you, I, I might have shied away from it. And then the other question is the new the new kind of thing we've seen the cross promotion between like broadcasts on on the on the national you know stage I think you had one with the Cleveland Indians early in the year or mm-hmm. Guardians now uh, what was that like was that something they approached approached you and you they just like hey you're doing this or is that something you kind of just were like hey you know there's an opportunity to to do and 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 grow the grow the the name in obviously the Astros and be a be a vocal leader for the Astros on the on the national scale. 
No, those are just opportunities that are presented to the to, to me nationally because those national broadcasts take over the regional sports, so we get kind of squashed. But my, you know, fortunately, my contract with the Astros allows me to be able to go over and do that. And I think the Astros organization has a healthy understanding, like you just said, that if we can put somebody on that show, whether it be myself, uh, you know, TK and I have a better opportunity than Julia, who works for the for AT and T Sports, and they're a little more strict on what they do, but. The, the Astros understand that if we can, the more more times we can get a voice out there and advocate for the Astros organization, the better. So when I do get those opportunities, the Astros, you know, I ask for permission just because it's the proper thing to do. But they immediately say yes, go do it, please. And uh, it's a lot of fun. It's 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 always good because you you guys can probably notice this too when when those opposing teams are isolated on their own island. They can be a little more vocal about how they how they think they feel about the Astros, but when I show up into that booth and represent them, it's all of a sudden, hey, you know, it's they're a great team and this is awesome, and they they'll totally ignore the fact that they said some derogatory stuff early on. But if they ever have if they ever have done that, I'll be quick to shoot back at them. I got no problem with that. Hell yeah, so, yeah. Speaking of speaking of derogatory, we we talked about it a little bit off air before we started this podcast. Uh, Bill Plaschke. Writing another uh, dumbass article about yeah, the Houston man, Astros that dropped an hour ago. Yeah, how desperate are you to be seen? You know, is my question. And why you're writing for a team that got knocked out after 111 wins? Wouldn't the more logical story for somebody who writes in that area to write about the dysfunction or the the disappointment of not even advancing to the championship series for a 111 win team? I think there's more to dig out there than there is to dig on the Houston Astros because even he thinks he's going out there and saying, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to trudge this back up. I'm going to get some clicks. But at the same time, he's exposing himself for being petty going back to that season. But he's also doing a great job of bringing the, bringing the Astros some more credibility and more notoriety because the more you dig on that and the more you think about it, here we are five years, six years removed from that. And guess who's in the World Series and who isn't? Still it's the here. Astros. Yeah. Still here. He, uh, he also has some uh, false facts in there where he talked about shocking. the uh, Kershaw breaking balls. And he said the Astros didn't swing at a single breaking ball, even though they swung at 18 of them. i tell you what. Go back to 2008 when the Phillies beat the Dodgers to get, to move on in that postseason. And they're, man, it's an ex-Cal guy. He was a catcher. I think his name is John Baker. He was a catcher, but he had some comments going all the way back to 2008 that the Dodgers were taking some interesting swings at particular pitches from Philly, Philly uh, pitchers at that time. Dig that up. That's an, that's an interesting article. Why doesn't he go back to that and talk about that yeah. a little bit? Is is it is it? Uh, I mean, just to, to piggyback off of that, is it a case of everyone was doing it? I mean, I know you know we have our own opinions on it, and I, and I firmly believe that in some form or fashion every team in Major League Baseball, or at least half of them, were trying to steal signs in some, like I said, some form or fashion. If you're not trying to figure out a competitive edge, I don't give a damn what sport it is, you're not trying. Right, and if exactly. you don't, even as an individual, you know, if I wasn't trying to find out a, a way to get the get get my odds in my favor, then I'm not trying, and I'm, trying and I'm going to get thrown by the wayside. I'm not going to be able to compete because even though we're at Pitchcom era, there's going to be guys evolving, trying to figure out other ways to do it. You can still see how a guy holds a baseball to see if he, what pitch he's going to throw. And I mean, what are you going to do? Put a blind, you know, put up a, you know, monolithic sheet in front of the pitcher and then say, okay, I've got my pitch here. I come and then drop the sheet and go. I mean, it, 
it's just the nature of the beast that baseball sports are going to evolve. You're going to look for the competitive advantage. And yes, just because the Astros went above and beyond doesn't mean that nobody else was doing it. They wouldn't have been punished as bad if it wasn't for an Apple watch in Boston or a center field camera in New York. You know, I just don't, it's amazing to me that we can overlook all of that because the Astros were the scapegoat for the whole thing. I think a big thing too, and and we'll just end it with the world series preview, but you had a Brian McCann who was, uh, a minister of old school rules, right? He was the last of the dying breed and he didn't say anything. And he was, he's one that if you stared at a ball for 2.5 seconds, he was letting you know. So like you have, like, there's just so many things. Like if something was going on, like just with one team, he would have said something. So like, it's just such a, it's such lazy, lazy things. And and we yeah. see it now on world series week, you know, all these years later, they're just still trying to poke holes into it. But I think going in and we'll end it with this, what's kind of well, some well, guys you are that, looking at. I, w- yeah, I yeah. wish more, I wish more teams instead of saying, go and see, we told you so. I wish they would go and prove that those other teams didn't. Yeah. Nobody's gone out there and proved that the other teams did not. They just did say, you, well, there's no, yeah. No, did, did you in your career, and you don't have to answer this, but I'll fire it off at you. We're, we're not on, this isn't FCC regulator or anything, no, but not. did you hear of other teams in your career trying to do things oh, like that? Oh, God, yeah. Hell right? yeah. Right, so so that's, that's where I, I, it's so frustrating that the Astros are made the scapegoat because they're always talking about, the narrative is always, take the Astros 2017 championship away from it. Okay, well, if we're going to play that game, how many World Series trophies do we have to take away from those teams that had 80% of their rosters juiced the fuck up, that are all right. on steroids? Greenies in the 80s. Oh, you know, my it's gosh, so, dude, yeah. No, I, I just if, think, if you had to go back and pee in a cup, there'd be – Right. Oh, man, there'd be a lot of guys missing. <laughs> right, and, and we even saw it uh, this season. They intentionally balked Bregman over from second to third like three different times because they thought – that Bregman was relaying signs into the catcher when they're using mm-hmm. pitchcom. I think it's just a stupid, lazy narrative to continue to bring up the 2017 cheating. Look, it yep. happened. It's done with. Move forward. The Astros continue to kick everyone's ass in the postseason. Can't argue that. What uh, what are some guys you're looking at in this series? And and we'll end it with the World Series preview. Um, on the on the Philly side, obviously we we know our guys pretty pretty much through and through, but uh, obviously the Harper, Harper's Harper, but what are, what are some guys you're looking at on the Philly side that can cost some damage? Uh, well, Schwarber puts together great at bats, even though he goes over. He's, you know, he's similar to Bregman in the sense that even though you may think you have him beat, he'll take the walk and be on base and drive you bonkers. Um, you know, Bryce Harper is going to do Bryce Harper things. The DH rule is actually helping Harper stay in this lineup. That's what's crazy. Cause if we were actually playing national league rules and you go into Philly, they might have to take him out because he can't play defense. But, uh, Reese Hoskins, some timely bombs. Gene Segura is a guy that puts together great at bats. Um, but other than that, you know, JT Real Muto, I don't feel like it's been talked about enough. That guy is is a pretty damn good catcher and a very good at bat. They're, they're a healthy, good, strong lineup. They don't match up with the Astros if you're going man for man. But at the same time, if you get flashes of brilliance out of guys, you know, at uh, Bohm and Stott at shortstop and third base – you know, you've got to try and keep those guys from surprising you because if you do battle through, you know, the Reese Hoskins, the Harpers and the Schwarbers, and you have an opportunity to laying there for a Stott or a Bohm, don't make a mistake because I feel like some of those guys are the, could could kind of jump up and bite you a little bit. But uh, 
the idea for the Astros in this series, score early, score often, and stay away from uh, Sir Anthony, which might be one of the better names in baseball, and then stay away from Alvarado because those two guys in the back end of their bullpen are pretty damn good. With uh, with damn wiffle balls at 100. Yeah. With uh, Kyle Schwarber, he's been in the league for eight years, and he's played in seven postseasons. Explain that. Yeah, like, I mean, he's the, he's the modern day Reggie Sanders. Yeah, it's it's wow. crazy to it's crazy to look and look at how many different teams he's been on the the Cubs, the Red Sox, the Nationals, the Phillies. <laughs> like I mean, it's it's right. Yeah, it's hell of an agent. Hell of an agent. Yeah, hell of an agent. Yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah, those yeah. You need to go to the postseason. Put them on your ball club. Seven postseason runs. So there's some experience for those guys. Big time. I'll, I'll have my last question. I'll end it right here. But do you think the time off is better for the Astros? Because that that team, that Phillies team, was hotter than hot. Yeah, I think it's I think it's better for the Astros in the sense that hopefully it cools off what the Phillies are doing because they're they're on one of the better heaters we've seen in a long time, beating some very good teams, and confidence is extremely high. And you almost want to continue to play as many games in a row as you can, just because those those runs are so short lived, and you know, that might be the deciding factor is that you've given these guys three, four days off and they lose the rhythm at the plate. They lose the timing a little bit, but uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how that unfolds. But again, you could, even if they come out into the world series and they don't hit well, it could be there. They may say it's time off, but I'm going to say it's pitching because the Astros pitchers, I mean, they're just bastards when they go out there and shove against these opposing teams. One of my last questions I was going to hit on it earlier, but when you, you talk about breaking camp in spring training, um, did you ever think that we would see this from Jeremy Pena? No, not to this extent. No, I mean, he gave us a little hint of it when uh, early in the season against uh, Romano, the closer for the, for the Blue Jays, and he hit that bomb, and you were kind of like watching him in the box going, damn, this guy looks pretty pretty under control, pretty relaxed right here. And he takes a slider, launches it, what, 415 feet to center field. And he said something in his post game that kind of said, you know, you you got to enjoy the moment or you got to live for the moment. I'm not afraid of the moment. When you start to hear guys talk about that, that means that they've thought about it and they're prepared for it. But to see what he's doing in the postseason is above and beyond, I think, what any of us could ever ask of anybody on that team, let alone a superstar, veteran superstar or a rookie who's burst onto the scene like Jeremy Pena. But how how amazing was it by Jim Crane and staff to say, Carlos, we appreciate everything you did. We've got a kid that can do do something similar, if not better. And he's had one of the more memorable postseasons, and I hope it finishes in the World Series by him getting a trophy and getting the recognition. You want to do a uh, – Des, you want to do a prediction? Sure. Oh, how about this? We'll do let's do a prediction for dog of the series because oh yeah, the dog of the series is hot in the streets, Blumer. I don't know if you've seen it. Have, have been you doing seen- been nominating the boys for dog of the series? Who do you, who do you want to be the dog of the series? What do you mean by dog? I want to make sure I get this right. You I haven't be- so so oh, the streets yeah, the street, okay. man. You must streets, you must be the streets. Yeah, um, you must be out dog the streets, of the yeah. series is an award to give out. Uh, for the the best player, of I have the, an idea of what the, dog might mean, but I want to make yeah, sure. We just yeah, we do a little bark, a little, a little bit best oh, player, yeah. a little okay. bit like you know grinder. Can I use yeah. somebody that you've already used previously? Like who are the who's oh. the guy in uh, the, oh, the we, division and championship series? Dusty Baker was our dog yep. of the series for the DS. Yep, nice, yeah, a good Dusty. one. Yeah, and then yeah. we did a uh uh what's the sure a service a service a three headed dog. It was Chaz Penny and Breggs. 
yeah. for the CS. I was going to say, I was wondering if Chaz got in there because he showed some he of that did. dog hitting a bomb in the Yankee Stadium, shot. dude. That was badass. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah. Oh, in the World Series, can I choose my dog to be Altuve just because he hasn't done anything? Would that be a Love terrible it. thing? Because yeah. I feel like, yeah, I feel like there is just something stirring in him, and he may if he if he gets to a couple pitches early, he may unleash hell in this series on Philly's pitching because they're going to try and make an adjustment and, or continue what they've been doing to him in the postseason, And he may be ready for some of that stuff. I just feel like Altuve's way overdue for an explosive series. Three, three for his last seven. It's trending. Yeah. I, I think um, we might see from Jose Altuve kind of what we saw from George Springer in 2017, where yeah. everyone wanted him moved out of the leadoff spot. Everyone was asking AJ or, you know, screaming about AJ Hinch, not moving him. He trusted his guy. And we saw, I mean, the rest is history. The dude went on to win the World Series MVP. So you heard it here first. Uh, Jeff Blum is thinking it's going to be Jose Altuve, dog of the series. Dog. Let's let's get dog. a, uh, if you want you want to give us a, a prediction for the series. Um, it's going to be Astros in, I, I believe it's going to be six. And I love the fact that I've been wrong every series up to this point because I've said, I said four games in the DS, I said five games in the CS, and they end up <laughs> sweeping out. So I'm going to say six games just because I want to party with them at home. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. selfishly, but at the same time, these guys don't give a damn. They just want to win games, celebrate, and get home. But uh, I'm going to say six. Hell yeah. Yeah. Love it. Well, thanks for thanks for coming on. Uh, it's it's an honor to have you. Uh, can't wait to hit the links with you soon. And uh, no, we need to do that, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and uh, Brian, want to bring us out? Yeah, I think that's gonna that's gonna actually. You know what? No, no. As we always do here lately, oh, let's yeah. let producer uh, producer, Josh. Yeah, producer, producer Josh. Has Josh, to bring he's got to bring us out. Go for it. Don't don't no get pressure. don't the be scared. With, the guy with zero radio background. No pressure. And doesn't <laughs> like being on mic. You'll uh, be all right. Step up, kid. All right, we had Jeff Blum here on the Beyond the Diamond podcast. Thank you for listening. It's Apollo HOU, Apollo Podcast Network. We will see you next time. We got to work on that. We'll, we we'll figure it out, that. though. Peace enthusiasm, man. Thank you to Jeff Blum for joining us. Apollo Dez, Josh Rose. This is Beyond the Diamond podcast. Peace.